Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Jewel L. And I'm your host, Dino L. And we just want to thank all of our listeners from across the U.S. and across the globe. Thank you for tuning in each and every week. And we want to give a special shout out to our newest sponsor, Descender Beeson of JL Beeson Consulting in Chicago, Illinois. We appreciate you and your support. We couldn't do it without you. So thank you for helping us sow seeds of encouragement and creativity with our audience. Another big shout out goes to Charlene Hood, who is listening also from Chicago, Illinois. She's a part of the Speak Out World family. Yes, and you can find Speak Out World on anchor.fm. For a list of all of our platforms where you can find Speak Out World, visit our website at speakoutworld.com. And on every episode, we do our best to bring you amazing artists, authors, creative entrepreneurs, and civic leaders who use creative ways of engaging with their communities. Today, we have an amazing author, educator, public speaker, and urban missionary, Randisha Fletcher, the winner of the 2017-2018 Public Voices Fellowship. Yes, and Randisha is going to share with us her journey from a troubled childhood to facing the racism and sexism in the United States Marine Corps to a completing her BA in creative writing and anthropology. This is going to be a great interview, Dino. I'm really looking forward to this. So you all don't go away. We'll be right back with more Speak Out World. Arizona, it's Randicia Fletcher. Welcome. Hi. Good evening. How are you? Or afternoon to you? Yes. Yes. Great to have you. Listen. Thank you so much for joining Speak Out World and and engaging our audience and telling them your amazing story and your artwork and and all your community uh, service that you're doing. But before I'm I'm just gonna let my host co-host here, Dino L, kick it off with the first question for our viewing audience. Hey, Randicia. Listen, I'm a, a native also of Arizona. I lived in Prescott. Prescott, Arizona, for a few years. My relatives still live there. So I'm Beautiful. familiar with Arizona. Beautiful yeah. place. Yeah. Listen, Radicia, you wrote about your young life in a book. Scratches, needles, and glass, and a glass pipe. Coping with rejection, hurt, and abandonment from a drug-addicted parent. Can you speak out on how that experience has motivated you to serve others? Yes, I can definitely do that. So when I grew up, uh, um, my mother uh, began using uh, crack cocaine at an early uh, at my young age, and so we wound up on Skid Row downtown Los Angeles. Uh, my dad was um, the, the stepdad that I was with. He was on uh, crack as well, and so we just didn't um, have anything. We were going to the missions and we were hiding from the cameras, hiding from CPS, Child Protective Services, 
we didn't have um, enough to eat. There was no money. And we were always looking for a, a place to stay. So as I got older, it was important that I understood that I am not going to live this way for the rest of my life. So I studied Amen. hard. I studied hard and I graduated from high school a little early. Um, then I went into the Marine Corps and continued my, my service and got out and finished up my bachelor's, my master's, started up my doctorate, you know, and I just knew that, um, that I was going to make a difference. I've done uh, work overseas, um, research in Fiji, and it was just important that um, I understood that this, that whole generational poverty was not going to follow me. You know, and I wanted to speak life and light in my life at all times to make a difference. And it was important. And so it's not even giving back um, because my family is still challenged with homelessness to the third generation still. So wow. as long as I still have uh, great nieces and great nephews in transition who are financially insecure, uh, food insecure, and housing insecure, I'm going to keep working and pushing to make sure that I leave a legacy for my family. Wow, that, that, that is amazing. Did, you know, during this time, even as a young person with the things that you were going through, were you aware of the gift that you had as an artist, or was that something that you began to develop as you became older or once you got into the military? You know, when I was about 12, um, uh, there was a lady named Dawn, and she was one of the Black volunteers at the Union Rescue Mission. And she was asking me, what did I want to do when I got older? And of course, you know, mm -hmm. I really wanted to be an artist. And but growing up homeless, there's something about being an artist. There's no way that I'm going to be an artist because artists don't make money in my mind at that time. That, that starving artist. Yes, I was not yes. going to be I was not going to be homeless. There is no money <laughs> that was going to be lacking with any dollar signs. And I was yes. All right. So um, Don took me to this art store. And she bought me oil paints and paintbrushes and she bought me lava soap and she bought me turpentine and she told me to paint. And I started painting um, about 12 and I was writing around the same time. So the mantra that I have living to portraits is I'm a painter and a writer and Dawn and I don't know her last name and I wish I could find her, but she was a volunteer who came and scooped me up and said, hey, you can do this. And she spoke that into my life. You know, it's and that's what's so amazing. Like, you never know who you're going to touch by encouraging them, by opening up their horizons in terms of with the arts or whether it be with music, uh, fashion design, math, science, Absolutely. you know, and so shout out to Dawn out there, yeah. <laughs> you know, for... Um, for reaching out to a young person and giving them that inspiration. I mean, is that part of why you identify, you know, this term urban missionary? We, we talked about that in your intro, but, you know, how did, how did you coin that term into from your experience in your artwork? Well, so um, as I was like with all the friends that I have, I have a lot of international friends. And they, uh, I'm known as DC in the community. 
not as Randicia. It's literally the DC. I'm, a, I'm almost like a noun. And okay. so, you know, <laughs> so when I go out there, it's not to let me go feed these people right here. It's let me go build relationships. Let me go make some friends. And so when my kids uh, build these relationships with, with different people from around the world, it's beautiful. So it's, uh, yes, it's a missionary, but it's more of I've built some relationships. My kids have some powerful friends out there. And I call my kids third culture kids because they didn't get that typical American upbringing. It was very much so. If you come over here right now, my daughter is going to come out with a gold tray with some tea and some water bottles with you. And then my sons will come out too. They're going to come and shake your hand. They're going to speak to you. So it's very much so relational here with us. So they're that third culture kid. And so it's friendships, it's relationships rather than just missionary for me. There were mission Dawn was an urban missionary. Yes. Let me go make some friends. Let me go make some friends. Yes. Yes. Go ahead, Dino. Randicia, you created the nonprofit I Can Do All Things, which focused on teaching sustainability to alleviate poverty, and was the 2017-18 Tucson Public's Voices Fellowship a collaboration between the Women's Foundation of Southern Arizona and the University of Arizona. Can you explain how it reaches women in leadership roles and elaborate on those things for us? I sure can. So um, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I remember I had some flip-flops on and I was sitting and I had my, my, my son, he was really young, so, and my son is autistic. And so I just had this boy who's like full of energy and everything and running around. And I got this random phone call from this guy, Dr. Park, saying, Hey, you want to be a teacher? And I'm like, I don't know if I want to be a teacher. And so he called me, and I think I walked up in there in some flip flops. And, um, he had <laughs> I just want to let you know that you you're talking to an educator right here. So that's why it's even even funnier that you walked in with some flip flops as well. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Kid, so the kid is the flip flops, and so he hired me on the spot. He uh, recognized that I was working on my master's degree, and he knew he couldn't keep me forever, but he needed me for that moment to kind of get the kids in line, and so. Um, but as I was teaching, I started to understand that those kids are just like me. Those kids did not need no me teaching them Chaucer or Shakespeare. They didn't, they couldn't even say Chaucer half the time. And who was Chaucer and Shakespeare? You know, they just didn't right. know. And so it didn't make sense for me to continue to teach them something that in my heart felt irrelevant. So I was sitting there folding laundry on the floor. I love sitting on the floor. I'm sitting on the floor now. And I just had this, God gave me a, a powerful vision at that moment. And they needed sustainability education. They needed wow. to be taught college preparedness. They needed to be taught financial stability. They, they needed um, to be, be taught just all the and public health awareness. They needed more than Shakespeare. They needed something deeper, just like I needed something deeper. And my husband and I were just talking about this yesterday. No one teaches us financial independence. So as a, an emerging developer right now, no one taught us these things. We had to go sit there and find someone who was talking, eavesdrop, interject in their conversation and say, can you teach us that too? Exactly. And to say, can you teach me that too? My mom used to say, you have not because you ask not or your know, closed mouth be not fed. And so that's what 
I wanted to do for those kids because they didn't know what to ask for. Like you never improve on dancing or, or painting unless you get yourself involved. I'm a teaching artist right now too. Unless you continue to teach and to learn, that's how you get yourself involved. And so when I discovered um, to put together, I could do all things. I call it ICDAT. It, it was because I wanted to teach intergenerationally. I wanted the older mm. women to, um, to teach the younger women and the younger women to influence the older women. And that builds relationships. That builds um, leadership. Because a lot of times we try to cut our elders out and because we know everything at 20. You know how we knew everything at 20 years old. Yeah, yeah. So um, I didn't want to cut that out. I wanted us to bleed together and to learn together. I wanted the younger women to learn how to put their, that... Uh, roast in the oven or whatever we're cooking. You know, I wanted the younger girls to be able to teach the older ones. This is how you get on the computer and this is how you use an Excel spreadsheet. So there had to be a teaching points on both sides and we had to meet in the middle. And, you know, it builds community. That's what you're building. You're building a sense of family and community. Mm-hmm. And um, you you not only have one non profit um i can do all things in but you also co-founded another one refugee resource center tell us about that so with refugee resource center my kids are taking taekwondo and um my kids are black belts in taekwondo and i met this family this lady named Nathan, and she was she was a beautiful beautiful sister to me and um her kids um they're in uganda right now and um she asked me to teach her to write an essay. And I'm like, I do not have any time to sit there and truly teach from start <laughs> to finish how to topic sentence, thesis statement, uh, supporting details, conclusion, restate the thesis. There was no way for me to really uh, go through that. It was too much, especially dealing with a second language learner at during the 50 minutes of Taekwondo practice. It was just not, mm-hmm. not. So we, um, I was talking to Athena and I recognized that there were some things in her that she needed a little bit more that was instead of just English. She kept saying her stomach hurt. And I'm like, your stomach hurts. And then it mm. became convenient every single time. I was like, Athena, I need you to come here. Oh, my stomach hurts. And I was like, I wonder why her stomach hurts. And so I ended up asking her and I said, what's going on? And she's like, oh, in her broken English, my stomach hurts because she had a, a inter-urine IUD in her stomach oh. and mm-hmm. the doctor didn't understand her enough to take it out so I said call him so I used my little perfect English to talk to the doctor and they didn't understand and they took it out she was dead two days later wow dead two days later she fell dead on the floor in a hospital and and because they didn't want to deal with her. One, because they were concerned about a virus at the time. And two, they just didn't understand her. And so I needed to be able to advocate for for people. So, um, and it was the same thing happened with another um, young sister who was getting beat by her husband. And then she was supposed to, then a baby died in, in the process. There was too many children of color just passing away. And we as Pan-African people that live here in America, we weren't paying attention to our sisters and brothers that were coming here, and that bothered me. So mm-hmm. I felt it was necessary. Someone took me and took me to buy some paint. Someone took me and said, let me help comb your hair. Someone took me to buy me some jeans. Let me help my sister call the doctor, at least, and let me help my other sister find affordable housing. Because we have to allocate, and the mission of the Refugee Resource Center is 
advocacy and education. Education is advocacy. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do here in Tucson. So I'm forever at an event. Last night we were at a, um, a funeral in the park because one of my sisters is um, grandfather passed away in Nuba Mountain, um, Sudan. So the advocacy is important. And they miss when they don't see me there. DC, where have you been? Where have you been? It's important that I'm there just in case they need something. And we as people have to make ourselves present in order for people to see that we are there to help and support and be family. That's important to me. Wow. Randicia, that's what... I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dino. No, I was just going to ask if Randicia could just elaborate on some of her beautiful artwork that was behind her. Just give us a little uh, information regarding that. Yes. So this beautiful lady is called Bracelena Vaya Canavan. And I love her so much. And everyone has a little story. And I would love to read you her story. It's, it's, it's short if you don't mind. Go Absolutely. Please. All right. I put my glasses on. I'm showing my age. <laughs> All right. So, in Bahia, Salvador, the drum rhythms connect her to Mama. Mama Africa, Ella Samba. She dances while they play capoeira. Jinga Ramos, the drums and the bidimbao chant. Ella Vaya Carnival, Ella Samba. She dances to the smells of a carajé. De un gusto delicioso, spicy black eyed pea fritters. Ella vaya carnaval. Ella samba. For five days and five nights, the drum rhythms connect her to Mama, Mama Africa. She dances. She dances for spiritual freedom. She dances. She dances to the Orishas. She dances. She dances in honor of her kidnapped ancestors. Soria Manina Negra in Bahia Salvador, Brasilena Vaya Carnival. So, thank you. Know. We hope everybody can hear our snacks <laughs> right here on the so, show. All right, all right. My little, my little secret is I'm a capoeira. I'm a capoeirista, so I do practice capoeira, and I would be outside in the park right now. Um, doing capoeira with my kids. So we as a family do capoeira. Now explain that for those who don't know. Explain what capoeira is. So capoeira is a, an African martial arts. So it was like that, you know how we have nicknames, like my nickname, DC, right? And so mm -hmm. we all had these nicknames to kind of, um, to throw the slave masters off. And so it looks like we were out there dancing. The slaves were dancing. But soon as the slave masters leave, the drum beat changes. The drum beats mm. will change. And then we're Jinga and we're Jinga and we're practicing and we're learning to fight to get away and to set ourselves free. In Brazil, wow. in Brazil, um, they had the highest amount of slaves in the transatlantic slave trade. And so in understanding that, so we do practice capoeira and this Brasilena, Brasilena, when she's going to the carnival, 
she's in honor of my my ancestors and she's in honor of myself and I jinga and I love to cook cottage, you know, and black beans and love that. Um, so this is one lady. And then we have um, this lady here. <laughs> Her name is Boobies. And so she mm-hmm. is in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And mm-hmm. I think we are super sexualized as a society where you can't even say boobies. If I say boobies, my son's going to run out of here. And my daughter's <laughs> blush. I'm like, no, I understand that it's a natural part of life. It's just who we are. And I just remember that as a little girl, my mom just, my mom never bought me a bra. And so it was just in honor of that and how my breasts are used to nourish my my children, you know? And uh, I had so many friends who've had double mastectomies and we almost feel like we lose our identity when we lose our breasts. And so this image here, boobies, kind of the story behind her talks about that. And so I I definitely um, give honor and credence to my girl boobies here. Wow, Randicia, I love the fact that you bring in all of, not just your art form, like even when you were telling the story, I, I I mean, it's just so international. Like you have taken all of your experience from understanding what it means to be without um, as a child to being in the military, traveling and the arts and just taking that. And then, I mean, just making a beautiful melody of it artistically and giving it back to the world. And I just, you know, again, let me, I'm going to take two seconds. I fanned out earlier. You all don't know viewers before we got on the show. I fanned out a little bit before. So I'm going to take two seconds, like to just fan out now, but like your artwork, your writings, everything is just so amazing. And I just want to know when you talk, speak to other artists, um, how, you know, and they're just like, oh, you're so accomplished. Like your work has been in, in you know, in the uh, Museum of Contemporary Art and the University Arizona Museum of Art. How do you get a platform like that to be able to, you know, get out all of this artwork and energy that you have to be able to share with other people? I'm going to go back to that. You have not because you asked not. Wow. And even the scriptures tell us that knock and the door will be open. And I think um, we as people of the African diaspora, we kind of sometimes will, like my uncle, for example, he's like, don't talk to those people over there. And he's very pronounced about that. And that's something very cultural about us to kind of stand back and to be reserved. But I understood that I, I have a story to tell and I'm important and mm-hmm. important in my own light. And, and it's not saying that I'm, I'm putting myself higher than I ought to be, but I believe that so many people need to be able to hear stories of accomplishments. And a lot of times we, as people of the uh, African diaspora, we are seen as coming from the S-hole nations, you know what I mean? Or those urban places over there. We are considered the thoses and the thems. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make it clear that yeah, I'm one of those, those and them, but you better not call me that. You better call me Randicia and you better understand what you're dealing with right here. Mm-hmm. I'm a, a commonly uh, known as sandpaper grit number 60. 
Because I'm a, I'm a little heart. <laughs> no, you 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 either like it or you love it. And we have people, we have to get on these platforms to be able to express why am I harsh like this? I have a, a beautiful poem that I, I can't say over the um the radio waves because it's very um very harsh. But my mom used to have this uh saying she'll say I'm such an effing lady and the paradox of that of being a lady of the courts but having this mouth and this attitude to kind of go along with this that's how we are you know we're harsh we're hard my grandmother was like that she she was the the seamstress for Mayor Tom Bradley the first mayor black mayor Mm. oh yeah right and so for her she was a, a a gun toting, yielding, and she'll cuss you out and drink her vodka. She was a hardcore alcoholic, but she had that gun. But she was an effing lady, too. You know, and it's just, um, <laughs> and I kind of laugh about it. It's when someone said, You're grit number 60, you're kind of harsh and you're a little intimidated. I'm not intimidated. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to tell you the way it is. You're not going to walk over me. You're not going to say anything to me. And yes, I'm very, I, I feel that I'm approachable, you know, and, but if you feel that you can't, that's something inside of you because you never took the time to get to know who I am. These platforms are important for me. And once people understand, and I've got these platforms from people in the Tucson Public Voices program. And one of my friends is running for Pima County Recorder right now here in Tucson, go Gabby. And I, I know that she'll win that one, but she, we pull each other along and she pulls me up and says, Hey, Randicia, I got something for you. And I'm like, hey, Gabby, I'm doing something. Come on through. And I think that's important that we leverage each other. And she's an indigenous woman here in America. So these platforms are important for us to get our point across. And sometimes I feel like people don't want to hear someone with the name Randicia come and talk for them. And uh, and there is some, there's still, I'm still marginalized in a lot of ways. And also I I sometimes see that black men don't want another black I don't want the black woman to kind of, it's still some patriarchal systems going on too. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, just, I just do what I can. I, I hear you. You know, I, I, when you said that about, you know, being such a rough lady, you know, it reminds me of the comedian Adele from, from Chicago. So, yeah. That was that was her that was her tagline right there, you know. Uh but we we know that we have to constantly uh deal with these issues and and even in the work that you've been doing in the community, you're you're dealing with issues of homelessness, you're dealing um with issues of addiction, all of those things. Um I want to go back a little bit as well and talk about how you and your husband, you all actually, um, let me make sure that I have this right. You all started the Harris Fletcher Social Enterprise and it was geared towards helping Americans, descendants of slaves and black indigenous people of color. So as you were just talking about, um, talking about that, how how did this how did this come into play? Like how did you and your husband come together to be able to now provide some resources for African American people that have been enslaved? Their ancestors have been enslaved. Well, we know that um, there is a wealth disparity and there is a, mm-hmm. a, a big wealth gap, and I think we're like 
280 something years behind economically as um, American descendants of slaves. So knowing that, we knew we wanted to help and build. He comes from a household where his mom was um, abused and that they were homeless too. And for and then he was in the army. And then knowing that when I met him, he had like a hundred dollars in his account and he was about to pay for a $60 uh, birthday party for his daughter. And I'm just thinking, really? But that's what we do. That's mm-hmm. what we do with people. We're going to get paid again. You know, Yes, we're going to get another paycheck if we don't lose our jobs. But we're not learning how to be financially responsible. So I taught him along the way because somebody taught me because I asked. And so then we um, we wanted to continue to build. And then we had a friend who was sleeping on a cot. He's 80 years old. He was caught at the rescue mission here in town. And we went and scooped him up. And then we had a blind man who um, a, a social service agency called us and said, do we have a, a space for him? And we just brought him here. And, my, and he was here in the gallery. And so we, we needed to do something. And so we got this house together and we made it into uh, um, like a Jack and Jill type house here, duplex type mm-hmm. here, um, where they can stay. And we take care of them because they don't have the resources. And so what I sell from um, Prince and what I sell from tours and he goes to work. And so we take care of those people. And so we decided to do this uh, fourplex, which is turned into a threeplex as of yesterday when we spoke to our architect. We took a a program, this class that was like seven weeks called Scale Up, and it taught us about sustainability and it taught us about the process. And so we just been networking, 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 and we didn't stop here. And then it sounds like nothing's going to happen. And then we go to the next person and they're like, talk to this person over here. And we're like, talk to this person over here. But we all talk to that person over there. And so we just kept talking to this person who sent us to that person. And now we have architectural plans. We have a funding meeting on Friday. They love us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like when you commit your life to something important, the doors just keep opening. And so we're still looking for those fundings for black women, uh, people of color, uh, disabled veterans, and et cetera. My husband, he's a disabled veteran too. And so we just, um, we're looking for funding. We're looking for ways to be able to support more people and not just to put them in some housing for the, so they can play cheap rent, but to teach them what we learned. Yes. We got to teach them what we learned. And because yeah. our housing is, is, we call it an urban food forest. So we're planting trees where they can kind of pick from the trees. They have their own plots and gardens. Yes. Super excited. Oh my gosh, they were so excited. They didn't even want to use shovels. They just wanted to use their hands to dig the dirt. It was just super exciting. And my kids are involved in this. I plant a garden. I have three gardens here in this house. One indoors, one on the front porch, and then a backyard garden. And then we plant over there. I got plants in the mail yesterday. And it's just beautiful to be able to create a a forest and to reduce the heat index here in Tucson. That's important. Do you see this, like, this, how it's just, it may sound like it's here, there, but it's still all coming together to create one. One collective community. Uh, uh, Dino, take take it Absolutely. on over. <laughs> Listen, Randy, I wanted to ask you to describe the uh, Living to Portraits Mobile Museum and Pop-Up Library. I just want to get a little insight on that. 
So it's it's a small space. And so people either come here because of COVID, it's just a private tour. It's about an hour and a half. And then I go through all of the pictures and about 40 in here. And I tell the story and then it's, it's introspective. And so it's geared towards, let me think about me. How do I connect to this image? How do I connect to the world? How can I be a better me? I think that's important. Um, I don't think we do that enough as people. We're not introspective. We're so busy pointing the finger and blaming instead of saying, how can I fix Randicia? What what better can I do today than I did yesterday? How can I just be a better me? And this museum, this mobile museum is that. And then I also take, um, like, I have collections like the Adolescent Boy Collection here. I'll take parts of the collection into a, a place and talk about it. And then we can do some artwork. And the pop-up library here, um, I love it because I love to read and read the stories to the children and say, what is your heart in this? How do you feel about this? And then as we can write a little piece and then we paint. And so it's like the best of two worlds. We get to paint and write. And so that's like my favorite thing to do in the whole wide world is to paint yes. and to write. So um, I think it's You know, your excitement. Your yeah, excitement is contagious. It's contagious, Randisha. It's contagious. I'm sure that the listeners have to understand your excitement is contagious. Oh, I love it. I love painting. I love books. I love children. I love, I love to be read to. I love, I could sit there and listen to a story. And my kids always, mommy, can you read us a story? And so, (laughs) so beautiful. And then my, my, um, the last book that I published, my middle son wrote the foreword in the book. And my older son did a lot of the artwork and my daughter did too. So her, images on the cover of the book and stuff like that. So I love that we work together as a family and my husband helped edit it. So everything we do, we believe in cooperative economics. They will not leave here at 18. We are building a compound because we don't get All right, all right. Yes, yes. You better stay right here and we're going to build another one and we're going to build another one. We're just going to keep on building it right here. All right. Mm-hmm. You know, Dino L, like you said, I mean, you can feel her excitement. It's contagious. But more than that, she has had the ability, again, I go back to that as an artist, as an activist, to take your passion and not only be able to inspire other people, but to be able to actually reach other people to make a difference in their lives. So if they're reading, if they if they if 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 they're reading and they enjoy that, bam, she, you know, you you got them. You know, if if you um if you're a visual person, you have the artwork, you have them there. I mean, your your flow in terms of bringing the international stories and language together, it's it's just very powerful. And that's what this podcast is all about. When we say Speak Out World, this, I mean, it's for platforms for artists and activists like you that are... Yes, working together with your art and your activism, touching people's lives and changing people's lives. And I mean, 
it is just it's just an amazing thing the things that you're doing um yeah. and the things that you've had to overcome like we really need to have you back on this program because there are some hurting children out there now that maybe they've lost their parents to covid or maybe their parents are really struggling and they need they need oh you they need a dawn in their life you know they yeah, need a dawn yeah, in their life yeah. to change to just turn their lives around um i know that we're running out of time but uh before we go i mean how can folks get in contact with you tell us about any other upcoming projects you have that you, you know that you want us to be on the lookout for because we're going to have you back so don't don't worry we yeah, will have you absolutely. back on the show well, you can follow me on uh, Instagram at Living Two Portraits. Um, also, um, the uh, the Urban Forest Project by HF, and so that Urban Forest Project is super important to me because it builds uh, community. And also, you can visit my website that just pop- popped up at www.harrisfletcher.com. Um, yeah, and so the things that I have coming up, or we're building, we're building right now, and we're emerging developers, and we want to be able to start purchasing some more property, put some housing up there, sell them, keep one, so we can. So my brother, who's homeless here in town, we can have a space for him. And so we want to continue to build and to build a community, build my family, and teach about cooperative economics. You know, that's Kwanzaa principles right there, and we exactly. teach Kwanzaa every year to our kids we have a big celebration because we want them to understand that we got we got to do this together um i I sure appreciate um you all inviting me today thank you so much this was beautiful and um look forward to seeing you guys again soon yes look we will have you back real soon we know that you have dropped some uh pearls and gems for all the viewers out there and i'm telling you it's just so inspiring like if if you all want to learn more you know check her out on um harrisfletcher.com find out what they're doing as you all can see they have nonprofits and they're reaching out to young people to the homeless community so you know people of color yes you know check them out support them uh Listen, this has been a great show. I am your host, Jewel L. And I'm your host, Dino L. And we just want to remind you out there that you have a voice, so don't be afraid to speak Speak out out world. world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Randy Shia. Thank Thank you you so much.